With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. known as Met Fan Rich and Mets Killing Me on Twitter. And you are listening to a very special Baseball is Back edition of the Metsian Podcast with Sam Rich and Mike. Um, I guess I could say, and a pleasant good evening, everyone, as Gary Cohn would say, because we'll be hearing that soon enough, and, and it's music to my ears. Um, and so let's just jump into it. There's a lot to talk about tonight with baseball being back. It's a happy talk as opposed to talking about, um, you know, filing grievances and, and contracts and 60 games versus 100 games and blah, prorated and blah, blah, blah. I was watching Baseball Night in New York, and they said that um, they're going to try to never say the word prorated again on the show, which I thought was rather interesting. Uh, but to help me engage in what we'll call happy banter about the return of baseball, I have my two co-conspirators. So let's see, where should we start well, I guess we should start with the CEO of the podcast, the mastermind, the man who brings it all to you, Mr. Sam Maxwell, who I believe is literally on location, and I don't know where because I think he's mobile. So, Sam, how are you and where are you? Well, I just crossed 18th Street and Church, East 18th Street and Church Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Um, that is where I am on location. Where in, the, in Brooklyn is Sam Maxwell, and there you are. And, it, and, you know, Brooklyn is uh, – baseball is dear to Brooklyn's heart uh, tr- from a traditional sense. And although they will not be having any Cyclones baseball this year, it's nice that there will be some baseball to be talked about. And, and you know, uh, still fingers crossed as we will get into with all the, uh, the complications, Rich. Definitely. And, um, and, yes, there will be some form of baseball in Brooklyn, and we'll get into that and just what that will look like. And speaking of Brooklyn, um, my third co-conspirator, third person on the podcast, second co-conspirator, is Mr. Mike LaColan, who hails from the wonderful borough of Brooklyn. Mike, how are you this evening? What a joyous thing it is to have Corny Allen as your backyard. I'm well, chugging along. How are you guys? Doing well. Lots to talk about. So I'm going to do a very, very brief history lesson. So we've been dealing with this crap of, you know, between COVID-19, which was not going away, but the impact on baseball, talking about that instead of the game. We've been talking about that since the game shut down on the 12th of March. And then we've done that for about, oh, you know, two plus, about two months. And then since the middle of May, which is a month and a half ago, Six weeks we've been talking about potential restarts and, and 
the owners made a proposal, the players made a proposal, all this stuff. That's all we've been talking about on the Mets team podcast. That's all they've been talking about in Baseball Night in New York. And to show how much has evolved, the last time we did one of these podcasts was 96 hours ago, four days ago. And let's think about what's happened since. When we hung up Sunday night, shortly thereafter, we heard that the owners made a final proposal to the players. They said the players were contemplating an offer, and, and Rob Manfred to try to sweeten it a little bit, said we'll take out the automatic uh, expansion of playoffs in 21, so this way to give you another bargaining chip next year. Um, just to try to sweeten the deal a little bit, 60 games, he took that out to make it a little sweeter for them. We all crossed our fingers, and then Monday, bam, the players reject that offer. Now it's up to you, Rob. Are you going to implement a schedule or not? Some thought that he would not. Some thought he would cancel the season so as not to impose a schedule and, and create, if it's even possible, further acrimony. On Tuesday morning, Rob Manfred says, yeah, we're going to go 60 games. Kudos, because he could have said 48. He stood by his most recent offer of 60. Let, let's face it, the owners have not been model citizens in this thing, but I do give them credit for doing 60 when they had the opportunity instead of walking it back or even walking it back to 55 just to you know, kind of give them the finger, right? So, okay, so that happens. Then it's up to the players now. Are you going to show up? The players vote. They say, yep, we're going to honor the deal. We're going to show up. But we have to work out the final logistics of the safety testing. So we're all holding our breath again. Late Tuesday night, we hear that the players and owners have worked every last detail out, that the safety protocols are in place. The players agreed to 60 games. They agreed to spring training on July 1st, first game July 23rd or 24th. And lo and behold, before we went to bed on Tuesday night, we had the structure of baseball. Great, and we still do. But here's where I want to start. So, Mike, I'll go to you first on this one. 60 games, um, you know, okay, it's going to start in late July. My first question for you, it's a two-part question, is how do you feel about that? I mean, do you feel excited? Do you feel kind of like, oh, well, 60 games, man, that's just over a third of a season, 37% of a season. So how, where are you feeling about your level of excitement about having baseball back? And my second question to you is with all that's going on COVID-wise, do you think realistically that they will complete the season? And if they do, they'll complete it with enough of the stars available that it'll make it legitimate. Mike, what do you think? Start with safety. It's going to be tough. There's a lot of states. The numbers are going up. Uh, and, you know, we, we here, us three, we're here in the tri-state area, and we've heard our governor speak, uh, and Governor Cuomo of New York State said, pay attention, America, because you're going to be in the same place that we are presently. And he was saying this two and three months ago, and here they are. Whereas here in the tri-state area, you know, we, quote-unquote, flattened the curve. Uh, so I don't know. You know, there's a lot of protocol in place. There's a lot of precautions they can take. Uh, but you can't be perfect. You know, we're still talking about a human, a human element against the virus. And, and there's going to be travel involved. Uh, and, and, you know, you have a, a whole collateral workforce that's part of this grand scheme to play baseball, hotel workers, restaurant workers, uh, 
transportation, you name it. You know, so it'll be interesting. I mean, if if the teams are going to f- uh, fly privately on, on private charter and, and, you know, be picked up and dropped off on the tarmac somewhere away from uh, the civilian population, I, I guess. I don't know. I'm just thinking of things right now. But safety, that remains to be seen, you know. Uh, it's never it's never a problem until it affects you, you know, and I don't mean that directed. You guys, you know exactly what I mean. Now, as far as the game and the agreement, just that I was I'm, I'm glad they were able to reach an agreement that baseball didn't have to impose anything. It wouldn't have looked nice, uh, and yeah, that would have probably uh, just added, as you say, rich to the acrimony. Uh, between the two parties. So I'm glad that they were able to agree. That looks much better. 60 games, you know, I compartmentalize, Rich. I'm a baseball fan. I'm glad it's back. They have me. They're not going to lose me. They're worried about younger generations and throwing their their attention. Uh, I'll enjoy it. Statistically and World Series, et cetera, et cetera, you know, I'm going to have to take it with a grain of salt. This entire season is completely compromised. And I understand that. And that's the way we're just going to have to digest it moving forward. It's something that's just completely compromised. And and we at least have this to fall on for the rest of the summer, you know, our national pastime. So there'll be a bit of normalcy. And, you know, we're glad to have baseball back. So in one sense, I'm, I'm angered. Uh, but then again, I'm not because how can you, for, you know, how can you forecast or even determine how COVID was going to play out? So a lot of this, you know, is their fault, but a lot of it isn't. Just unreal circumstances at play here. Uh, I wish there was a better narrative, but I think this is the best resolution uh, moving forward. So it's interesting, and I'll continue to compartmentalize uh, for years to come. You know, 81 was somewhat of an issue, but not so much. 94 uh, was more contentious uh, insofar as the fans' view. Uh, This one, you know, what to make of it. So let's just make the best of it. Let's enjoy it. We'll crown a champion. And we'll debate this. This is part of baseball and baseball history. And, you know, baseball, as we say, Rich, it's like life. It's There's a human element, and humans are fallible. And if we love something, we love it unconditionally, warts and all. Well said, sir. I love the unconditional love thing because that's me. But, Sam, I want to talk to you. So same two questions, you know. When you had time, we've all processed this for 48 hours now, 60-game season. So maybe someone, your your initial reaction was, oh, my God, thank God it's back. But maybe after you process it, you feel differently. So how are you feeling right now about the 60-game season? And then same question about realistically, do you think that they'll be able to complete the season in a reasonable manner? And I'll throw this in. Um, I saw a graph on Twitter about uh, 10 minutes ago put up by a sports writer that showed the states and how they're doing COVID-wise, and 27 of the 30 states that house or or accommodate Major League Baseball teams um, are doing badly. They're trending red. So, Sam, what are your thoughts on the 60-game season, and how realistic will we have 
A, a conclusion, and B, a reasonable conclusion with reasonable uh, star players still available? To start with your second part, um, I am going to stay confident and, and optimistic that they'll be able to navigate the uh, safety protocols and, and the, those waters. Um, you know, I, because the, the spikes are still a wait and see. We might be in a better position to fight this thing and have less deaths um, this time around with some of these spikes just because the technology is better. Maybe they've learned uh, a lot about the way to treat it. So I think that it's not just those numbers, but maybe we need to get even more specific about that just to see obviously this thing, one of the things that's so concerning for people is the way it's kind of a jump in the evolution of, of viruses and the way they interact with human beings and, and that there's not really, uh, it, it's almost mutated to the point that it, it's, it's learning better. Um, even if its trend has been, you know, unhealthy older people. Um, but outside of that, it, it, you know, just listening to you talk about the labor element of it, now considering that Rob always had the power to implement, I, I think, one, I agree with their, the player uh, strategy. And two, they really, like looking back at it retrospectively, and maybe we didn't talk about this enough at the time because we didn't realize it until now, until this very moment, they really were constantly in a position to be able to reject everything uh, and, and deal with the safety protocol stuff, but go with whatever Rob Manfred can implement and also hold their 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 place going into negotiations next year. So it really was on Rob Manfred in many ways. Uh, well, I guess maybe not completely considering there was a lot of back and forth tit for tat in the public eye, but at the same time, just going to like the position the players are in, it makes perfect sense that they never agreed to anything specific and that we had to go through it uh, the way, the manner that we did. And now here we are. Um, We'll, we'll get into some of the specifics, of course, about the, the actual details of the way we're, we're going to see this form of mutated baseball. But kind of echoing in terms of what Mike said, go bouncing off of that element of it, and something you've constantly said, that it's going to be an even playing ground. Everybody's going to be in the same position. Um, and 60 games, I mean, you know, that's going to be a lot of fun. You know, we've all been waiting for real sports, waiting for real American sports at least. Uh, and and here we are. Uh, there's the possibility we're going to see actual baseball in front of us. And that first, it's not going to be like, oh well, we got 161 left. No, we got 59 left. Let's go, let's go, let's go. There's something about that. We're coming into the thick. Everybody's in the same position going into the stretch drive. So there's something that's going to be very unique about that, and very it, it could be very strange. But I. I I don't think there's anything that's going to temper my enthusiasm for it. Um, and it's probably going to be even bigger in the moment once it arrives. Cause think about how we deal with opening day of game game one of 162. Now imagine the way we're going to deal with game one of 60 uh, when we haven't had, we were supposed to have baseball. We haven't had it. Uh, it could. We we may not even know what that feeling feels like yet because it it may it may be foreign to us. It may be an alien. 
So we'll we'll see what happens when it comes around. Well, that, that's a really good point, Tim. And I was talking to someone about that just today, about how, you know, people love to say, oh, you know, it's long season and uh, what's one game? Well, you know what? In a 60-game season, that one game is more than twice as important as, as it was before. And so, you know, you have a five-game losing streak in a 60-game season. You've got to get your shit together and, and really have a good streak to balance it out. You just don't have this, this, the calendar working for you. And, and that's a really good point. I think what you're going to have an element of football in here where every game is going to have that much more importance. And, and it's going to be so unprecedented. I don't know how I'm going to feel on opening day. I mean, if they lose, it's not just going to be, oh, they lost opening day. Oh, that's, that's too bad. I'm going to be like, oh, my, get it right, guys. You only have 59 left. I mean, we've never, as baseball fans, We've never gone through that. So I think and, and just to, before we continue, let's also remind ourselves and our listeners and every Mets fan out there, this is the first we're going to see of Louis Rojas. Talk about pressure. Right, like right. He has a 59-game schedule. Yeah, exactly. Do people remember Louis Rojas as the manager? And I've seen a lot of jokes about that on Twitter. But think about that. You know, I think it's going to be more exciting. I, I, I think it's going to be a little weird with all the stuff that we could talk about with no fans and all that. But – each game is going to be much more intense than we're used to as, as fans. It, it's going to be a shock to the system, and I think it's going to be exciting. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about- and, 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 just, and just real quick, I'm sorry, just like think about where we've come since. Remember we were talking about the Carlos Beltran fiasco and Louis Rojas and all this shit? Like, it's just crazy. All of a sudden I'm reminding myself of all that, and here we are. I totally forgot about Carlos Beltran. I think we all did. I think that whole thing, think about it. In mid-November, when this went down, we were like, oh, that's awful. This is the worst thing ever. Beltran was going to redeem himself. There was a reconciliation with the organization, and now he's gone, and this whole steroid crap and all that. Then a, a freaking pandemic happens, and the game is put on, on hold. Nothing like that has ever happened in history. We forgot about that little stuff. Beltran became little stuff. It, it's amazing what perspective will do. Now, Let's talk about the upcoming season, Michael. Let's talk about that. So we're going to talk about several elements of the rule changes, and I just want to get your opinion, and, and if these things will impact the Mets, please share that as well, your thoughts on that. Let's go to the first one. It's tough for me to say. I have to go into a little bit of a mental zone here. There will be a DH in the National League in 2020. Um, now, you know, I look at the DH in, in this whole thing as, it's kind of like I, I haven't eaten in a day, and there's a wonderful piece of steak there. Great. But that steak is covered in mayonnaise, and I hate mayonnaise. That's exactly what this whole thing is to me. I want baseball back. I miss baseball. Can't wait for baseball. But, damn, that freaking DH. I, I just can't get it out of my head, Mike, and I think you agree with that. So I'm going to ask you two questions. How do you feel about having the DH in the National League? Is it a worthwhile trade-off to get baseball back? And then, more importantly, how do you think it impacts the Mets? Take it away. Uh, I hate all the rule changes, even the neighborhood play. That answers that. But this season, and this season alone, I'm agreeable to all these changes. Uh, DH, fine. For 2020, Rich, I don't want to be revisiting this discussion next season. <laughs> uh, I, I, I liken it to Pandora's box. I'm afraid to open up Pandora's box. I don't want the DH in the National League. But for 2020, Rich, I'm more than agreeable to it. 
And whatever they need to do to facilitate this shortened season, go for it. The Mets are well-equipped to, you know, implement a DH. Uh, It alleviates some of our problems, you know, uh, as far as too many players and too many positions. So the DH is a good thing for the Mets in 2020. Well, thanks for sharing that, Mike. And, um, and you know, it's interesting. The Mets have a lot of guys who could potentially DH. I mean, it's a national team with a few DHs on it. You've got Cano, who, with McNeil on, on the roster, maybe, you know, Neil, McNeil goes back to the infield where he belongs, probably. Cano could DH. J.D. Davis can DH. Let's not forget Ioannis Cespedes. If he's healthy, he could DH. And Dom Smith, you get another great bat in the lineup. So the Mets actually stand to benefit. Baseball night New York tonight. Anthony Wrecker did not think that the Mets had any kind of an incredible advantage. He thought they were well-suited, but he, he thought that the Braves have some guys like Nick Markakis and some guys that they have on their bench who could DH. He thought the Nationals had guys like Adam Z- uh, sorry, Ryan Zimmerman, who probably doesn't belong on the field anymore with his various injuries. He could DH. Howie Kendrick can DH. So Wrecker said, yeah, the Mets are well-suited, but he doesn't see it as a – they're not any more well-suited than any other team that would be a competitor. Interesting angle. So, Sam, how do you feel about the DH in the National League? Is it a good trade-off for you? And how do you think it's going to impact the Mets? Well, I think, you know, if, if I were um, – if everything went the way I'm dreaming of it to go, um, for every single video – that counters uh, the DH, where you have Bart uh, Bartolo hitting a home run or Jacob DeGrom hitting a home run, and everybody's like, you really want to take away this excitement? Uh, you're going to have the same thing at the end of this season for all the different players who get to bring their teams to the promised land because of the DH. Now, in my optimistic dream scenario, we're reliving 2015 with Giannis Espedes just raking at DH there, there's no reason to put him in the field because that just wears down his entire body. Um, yeah, there's other potential DHs out there, but you know, if his, like his bat, you don't want you, you, you need Giannis's bat as at DH. Everybody else will just have to fall into place. You know, we're, we we haven't even seen what Robinson can do. We obviously we haven't seen what Giannis Cespedes could be after all these years, but we've more recently seen a declining. Robinson Cano. So I still have this feeling that, especially with limited duty, and after all this time, that Johannes Cespedes could really play well into this. We're talking Dominic Smith. We're even talking Dominic Smith in the field and Pete Alonzo at DH at certain points. Uh, it, it, the, the options are really limitless. I mean, I could see them just throwing Jeff McNeil in there at some point if everything's working out right. Uh, you know, you never know what the, how these lineups are going to play out. Now that there's a DH there, the question that you also ask me is whether I like it from a long-term perspective. No, I like the uniqueness, and it continues to separate American and National League. But I, I think it's a it's a, a tale for another day, and it, it you know um, it remains to be seen. But I think us traditionalists, in many ways, possibly will have to coming out of this, and maybe in a few years, get used to. This the, the the non-American National League split because you know if I were playing contrarian, 
it really is very uh, traditional and, and kind of uh, uh, not necessarily adaptive to the way uh, things operate these days, uh, go even going forward. So it's, it's just, again, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole, but I think that we may have to prepare ourselves at some point for realignment that takes away what is really just traditionally, you know, a battle of, of monopolies, really. Rich, I would yeah. also add that the Robsons are going to start with 30 players. After two weeks, they'll be reduced to 28 players, and after four weeks, they'll be reduced to 26 players. So, Correct. you know, they're going to have to choose their DH or potential DHs carefully. And what if somebody, you know, comes out of left field, so to say, and has, you know, a, a, just a terrific two-week stretch, and now you're in the quandary as to who you cut and who you keep? And now you could look at that both ways, Mike. Do you think that's a positive, that it, it – adds intrigue, and we could say, you know, oh, the roster's going down, cut that guy? Or you think it's a negative that they actually have to get rid of a productive bat? Oh, no, I'm just curious to see how it plays out. I'm not saying one way or the other. I'm just bringing it up. And it's a good point. And that is another unique twist this year is that we'll have 30-man rosters on opening day, as Mike said. Two weeks into it, go to 28. Two weeks after that, go to 26 and play at 26 the rest of the way. Um, So... Good couple of questions. We have a lot more to talk about. You are listening to the Metsian podcast with Sam, Rich, and Mike, and this is a happy baseball is returning edition. So let's talk about more rule changes. This one, I, I while I have a visceral reaction to the DH, you know, I, I, I'll, I'll stop after. I just I literally can't stand it. It makes me nuts. Anyway, all right. Now we'll move on to the other one. This one makes me smile. I find this one to be a little strange that. Um, Starting in the 10th inning of tie games, the both teams will start with a runner on second base. So it was originally proposed as the 12th. It'll now be the 10th. So all extra innings will start with a runner on second base. That runner will be the person who was last in the batting order in the previous inning. So the person who, you know, if, the, if somebody was caught stealing or something, it would be the person who was not up last in the order, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So it'll be that person. And I guess what happens if you double switch that guy out? I wonder what's going to happen there. Probably the person uh, who takes that spot. But anyway, all right, so they're going to start with a runner on second um, in all extra innings. And the theory is to cut down the extra inning games, the length of these games, because guys aren't going to have the the time to be conditioned, uh, you know, minimize exposure, all that stuff. So here's my question, and Sam, I'm going to start with you here. How do you feel about that rule? And – Secondly, would you rather have that rule in place or would you rather say after nine innings or after ten innings, whatever it is, a small number of extra innings, it ends in a tie like hockey? Is that a better alternative? Sam, take it away. No, because going back to why, you know, I'm a traditionalist, I still like the idea that there is no clock, that there is no tie, that somebody has to win. I still appreciate that. Uh, regardless of of the weird rule that could eventually be, be – I mean, they've tried it, and I think it was independently or something last year. But, did, Rich, did you see my tweet that I sent out that uh, said, I can't wait for the Mets to start every extra inning with a runner on second and still losing 20? Oh, of course. Yeah, I saw that. That's very funny. <laughs> 
Uh, and that's, that's, you know, that, that's just what I think about when I think about the Mets and extra innings. You know, um, Mike, you and I saw one that, that was contrary to that, uh, which was lovely, and that was the last game of last season. So um, I, I think it's going to be very strange at first. But, it, but uh, going back to the theme that we're talking about with this being a unique situation, I think we'll, uh, we'll, we'll know what we feel like a little bit more as we see it play out. Yeah. Well, yeah, very I've diplomatic perspective, it. Mike. I've seen it in action in the independent leagues uh, with, with the Long Island Ducks and the Somerset Patriots. So, you know, it, it's, it's something I've seen. It's not foreign on me. Did I like it? You know, no, I, I don't like these rule changes. But again, in order to facilitate this 2020 season, I'm agreeable to it. Uh, I just don't ever want to see it again. Uh, I, you have to also understand that with a 60-game schedule, you know, and and uh, a very closed or a very defined set of time to get get it done with the playoffs, they can't afford to have time days and games compromised, you know, like what would a 16-inning do to the next day's game? Do you suspend it at some point and pick it up the next day? Uh, Can I interrupt Mike real quick? Mike, let me me also just throw this in. I'm curious your your perspective. Um, I'm curious the way, you know, this, this will mark strategy. The way this changes strategy is, is will it be, like, what do you think that it's better to wait an inning or to, to, so you have a runner on or are you going to try to get it get it taken care of before that even becomes something you have to think about? You know, like, I, it, it, I, 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 we don't yet know what it's going to look like from a strict, uh, strategic standpoint. Uh, no, we don't, you know, and there's two schools to that. You know, when you get into the playoffs, some say, you know, stick with what you know, do with what got you here. And then you have the school that says, no, you have to manage differently and you have to manage for a short series. I think this is no different. You know, there's managing a regular 162-game season. Uh, this is 60 seasons. So I think it, it, it needs to incorporate some sense of a, a round-robin mentality. You're going to have to alter your thinking. You're going to have to alter your, your, your traditional approach to the game. And, yes, you're going to have to do things that might strike as, un- as unconventional sometimes uh, for the sake of the short term. So it- it's going to be interesting, and I'm going to have fun watching this play out. Don't get me wrong, you know, and I'm agreeable to any which way they can facilitate the season. So, you know, bring it on. Do I like the rules moving forward? No, but for 2020, I'm agreeable. You know, and it's interesting that the DH is only guaranteed the National League for this year. Uh, because they didn't reach an agreement, it's they're going with it only as a guarantee for 2020. So to your point about opening Pandora's box, we'll see where all these things go. You know, I I wonder if maybe a better rule would have been, okay, we'll play a 10th inning as we normally would, typical rules. And if not, it's a tie. I would rather see that and just have a win-loss tie column. I think this rule's stupid, I have to be honest with you. I don't like it at all. Um, I would rather have so, ties. So my, my question for you, Rich, is how, do, how would that have counted in the standings? You go by percentage. So you have, or maybe do points like the NHL. You do, you get two points for a win, one point for a tie. 
And and if you're really, I mean, the whole thing is, you know, we're through the looking glass here, folks, right? This is not normal anyway. None of this is normal. So I'd rather see them go the NHL route than, than, than I think it bastardizes the game personally to do this. I, I think it's just silly, but, but whatever. Um, I'll, I'll live with it, but I would rather have seen ties. If you think about that, if you have one extra inning, right, you, so the, the visiting team doesn't score in the top of the 10th. Now you have the bottom of the 10th. You know that the, there's incredible pressure on that visiting team to, you know, if they know they get something if they could get these guys out. It's not just avoiding a loss. They also get a point if they could get these guys out in the bottom of the 10th. I think that would put incredible intrigue into the 10th inning. But, all right, so that, it is what it is. We'll, we'll give it a shot. Um, the next thing I want to now, talk now, about. Wait, 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 sorry, sorry, real quick. What, what if they had started it with one out instead of, of a runner on? Fine. I mean, I, I would still rather see ties. Uh, they have them in the NFL. You know, after after one period, there, there are ties available in the NFL. Certainly, it's a big thing in hockey. They don't have them in basketball, but you know, uh, you could make it work with a tie. And, and I think it's just, I think it's a little less watering down the sport to have a tie than to say all of a sudden we're starting with a. It's like softball. It's like Sunday morning softball. It, it just uh, to me, it's just going too far. Um, what, no, what, if I, what if sorry. I threw out this compromise? Let's say sure. if the game remains tied after 12 innings, you put it down as a tie. Why 12 innings? Because that's one more time through the lineup. That's a third of a game. So it's a compromise. Uh, someone proposed that, and I, I would sign on for that. I think it was one of the writers proposed that. Would you rather have a tie after 12 innings or start the um, – or start with the – actually, at this point that he put it out there, it was the original proposal of starting this in the 12th inning. So he said, would you rather do a, this, you know, this new rule in the 12th or, or do after 12 innings as a tie? And I think it was about a 50-50 split, if I remember. I think it might have been Tacoma who put it out. Um, but anyway, it is what it is. Uh, I'll enjoy watching it. If, it. if the Mets win games like this because of it, I'll be smiling ear to ear. And the other thing, Sam, you, know, you, you had your tweet about that, your funny tweet. The other one I saw that was pretty funny um, was someone said the Mets will forget to put a runner on second in the extra innings. It'll be like them, the equivalent of batting out of order from two years ago. I think that's pretty funny. Um, that's funny. Oh, my God. <laughs> um, all right, guys, we're going to go to the next. We have a slew of them, don't we? We're going to go to the next rule change for 2020, and that is that there will be a trade deadline. Now, that's not different. But the fact that it's August 31st is different. The fact that it comes exactly, pretty much exactly in the middle of the season, teams will have maybe 35 games in. So let me ask you this, Sam. We'll go to you first on this one. In such a short season, should there be a trade deadline? Do teams know if they're in or out at that point? Would you rather just say, hey, you've got – there's no minor league season. Your entire organization's available to you. Use your own guys. Let's play this thing out. What would you rather do? Trade deadline or go with your entire your entire organization? And, uh, and if you have to, you know, you could sub, have a 30-man active roster or whatever, and you can substitute guys in and out every day. What would you rather do? All right, so first off, just to get to the details, just to make sure I'm up with the details, it starts on uh, July 24th and ends when? September 27th. Okay, September 27th. Jesus. So I guess that really is right smack in the middle of a two-month season, basically. So, Pretty close. 
because uh, the first thing that I was going to say was that I would have moved it a little bit into September, uh, but oh, oh man, I mean, uh, you know, there's there's expiring con- there's contracts to think about. Like it's a very nuanced situation, um, even with the idea of whether you're in or out, and it's probably going to say a lot about where they where more than it usually does about where teams currently are. Um, yeah, I, that, uh, you got me on that one, Rich. I, I don't have a good answer either, although I think it's a bit silly, you know, to make that decision 30, 32, 33, 34, 35 games in. Mike, what do you think? Uh, I'm okay with it. I, I'd rather have, I'd rather that general managers have that option available to them. You still have visionaries out there who are trying to build the club. So I have no issue with it. That's fine with me. Like I said, I'd rather them have that option available. Very good. Very good. And, all right, so let's go to a little bit, uh, we'll call this an off-the-field rule change to talk about. I'm smiling as I say this one, too. Um, Players cannot get within six feet of an umpire to argue a call. And if they do, they will be dealt with quote-unquote, severely. I don't know what that is, but I've heard that they could be suspended. Mike, are we going too far here? Yes, I get it, right? I get social distancing, and you don't want to breathe on the umpire and yell at each other. I totally get that. But you're near these people anyway all game. So what do you think, Mike? Is it a little over the top? Have we lost our minds with that one? It's a little weird, man. Uh, i got to admit, uh, on the one hand, I would like to say, taking this a little too far, but again, I, I think I put it earlier, it's never a problem until it affects you. So, would you rather err on the on, on the side of safety? Sure. That's it. Sam, you're really mad. You're a professional athlete. You just got called out on a double play at first base. Damn well you were safe. You can't get within six feet of that umpire, and you may have gone and argued that call for the, what, 15 years you've been playing organized professional or some kind of baseball. Um, What do you think? Is it going to be too hard for you to manage? Is it a ridiculous rule? What do you think? I think it's it's them kind of just, you know, policing the game, just showing their might in many ways. Um, I think that... Here's my question, though, and and like I understand it's the mouth, uh, but you know you wear you wear protective gear elsewhere, so you know I know it's even more uncomfortable these days with how how sweaty it is out there and you know how hot it is. Um, but why can't that also just be part of this? Why can't we be? Why can't everybody be playing with masks on, uh, one way or another? Um, you know I'm not sure what. Completely, the safety protocol is. I haven't, I haven't scanned the entire, every single extra detail. But um, is that in there? I mean, because this is what I keep hearing too: is that masks are one of the most important things. Whether you know, six feet. If I, I, I watch myself, and as often as I try not to, I see little droplets flying all over the place when I, I'm not. Uh, uh, wearing a mask, and also, like, I've been paying more attention to it, seeing what that's like. And I don't even think we realize how much we're spraying, man. 
We, you can't breathe in when you're talking. You can't. You could. No, you can't even. You see, you could maybe try. You know, no, you see, you can't do it. You can't do it. So one way or another, regardless of that, they all should still be wearing masks the entire time. Everybody should be wearing masks. It shouldn't just be six feet. You should have to wear a mask because at some point you're going to have to be closer. That was spoken about, but they're not going to be required to wear masks on the field. I, I've seen different things about whether or not they'll be required to wear masks in the dugout. Um, I'm not sure about that. But this idea that I find that you're, you're, it's an emotional thing, right? When you argue with an umpire, you're obviously heated. And if you get too close to the umpire, if you get within six feet, it could be a problem. Now, look, I, I, like I said, I get it. And I'm, uh, can, I think it's so, okay. And, and, and Rich, also, football and basketball are obviously much more, and hockey are much more contact sports than baseball, but let's not pretend like it's not a contact sport. Right, right. Play at second base, right? You have the, the Tejada Utley play, they were on top of each other, right? They run into yeah, each other all the time, too, in the outfield. I mean, like, these, these are, there's. Things that can happen that involve collisions that aren't just in terms of at the bases. Like, there's a lot of different things that can be happen, happening. And what are you, as a trained athlete, going after that ball, now going to be that much better at making sure you don't run into the outfielder? The other well, outfielder? I, I, I think the onus is going to be on the umpires to remind said player back up, and at the same time, they'll be backing off and backing away. I think the onus is going to be on the umpires to constantly remind them, and the dugout for that matter. I mean, organizations have their responsibility, but as far as on the field, when it's just them between the lines, I think you'll see, if it should get to that point, I think you'll see umpires turn their back, walk away for the sake of safety, and remind said players, stand back. Probably right. And I guess a player gets too close, maybe, who knows, I don't know what the, what the, what the uh, stepwise discipline is, Maybe if it's not egregious and not right in the umpire's face, but they are, get a little too close, maybe it's a warning from the league the first time. You know, back mm-hmm. off. You know, remember what we're doing here. Um, it'll be interesting. To, it'll be interesting. You know, um, it will be a strange thing to watch. But you know what? If I would rather them say, look, nobody goes on the field to argue a call. Nobody. It, it's pointless. It, you know, the Billy Martin days are over. If you want to review it, wave your hand, great review. There's no point in a manager coming out and kicking dirt umpire in the first place when there's no COVID. So I'd rather have, I'm okay with the six-feet thing. It's a little hard to enforce. But say this, you do not go on the field. You don't go on the field targeting the umpire at all or the manager's out of the game and suspended. How about that? Because um, it's pointless anyway. It just slows the game down. Um, all right, a couple more things. I want to rapid-fire these at you guys because I, I love this stuff. I just love getting your perspectives. Uh, kind of a quick one here. I'm going to do a two-for-one sale, Mike. I'm going to start with you. Um, and, again, I, I'm, I don't, I, this might sound silly, but these are rules. No spitting. And then, secondly, pitchers will have a wet rag in their back pockets. I'm not making this up. They will have a wet rag in their back pockets to moisten the ball, and they'll be asked not to go to their mouths. Mike, what do you think? Well, uh, I'm sure they're getting, you know, uh, professional advice on these on these matters. So uh, I'll just leave it at that, Rich. You know, who am I to say? I'm sure a lot of professionals are involved in these decisions and protocol. They are. Sam, what do you think? How are you going to feel about Jacob DeGrom with a big wet spot in his butt because he has a wet rag in his back pocket? (laughs) 
Well, it's very it, it's very interesting. It, it's one of the few. I mean, like you know, football players are able to wear gloves. I don't actually know enough about football to know whether the quarterback is wearing a glove. I could see that the quarterback would want grip properly with his actual bare hand, but they make gloves with football that, that, you know, for wide receivers that are better equipped to almost like Velcro grab the ball and run. Um, and it's, it's interesting that, and it says just how old school and, and to the heart of America in many ways that, that baseball is, is that it's not, you, they're not going to be developing gloves for pitchers. You know, it's about feeling that ball. It's about gripping the ball with the seams and making it do whatever you want it to. You are playing God with that ball in that singular moment. It's very, it's very uh, visceral pitching. Um, and and so uh, the the it's the I'm still a little you know uh, I, I'm gonna have to like read up on it and not ask you to repeat yourself <laughs> again. In terms of exactly what those details are, I know, you know, they, they can't, that, that's a big part of gripping, too, is licking your fingers, and obviously they've, they've discontinued going directly to the ball afterwards, um, but that's still a part of the, the way pitchers go about the motions. Uh, I think, not just in terms of Jacob deGrom, but we're going to have to see how it affects everybody on on those levels, Um uh, just because everybody is going to have to adjust their thought process with the way they pitch. And how about this? Um, again, you can tell I'm a big fan of Baseball Night New York. I heard this mentioned. Someone said that, do you think water is going to be the only thing on those rags? What if there's petroleum <laughs> jelly on it? Right? How are you going to – you can have a wet well, rag. Well, and, that's, and that's where, like, you've got to figure out they're, – they're all going to have to figure out how to not produce another scandal. And Rob Manfred needs to figure out how he can do a better job not producing another scandal. Exactly. And if it's a wet rag, the umpire's not going to go there with a junior chemistry set to see if it's H2O or some other substance. You know? So we're just going to have to deal with it. Um, again, like Mike has said, and I think it's been a great point throughout this podcast, um, it's just what we have to do to get baseball back. Like I said earlier, we're through the looking glass. We just have to deal with the fact it's not the same. Okay, you're listening to a Metsian podcast with Sam Rich and Mike. And, gentlemen, I have three more things I want to ask you. Um, we do have a caller on the line, and caller, I'll get to you in just a moment. These should be quick. Um, let's talk about something that's going to affect all of us. It's going to affect me, it's going to affect Mike, it's going to affect Sam, and everybody listening. And there's going to be a change in the broadcast this year. The way it will work is that, Gary, Keith, and Ron will do the games at City Field, but road games for TV, they will not be traveling, and we will get the feed of the visiting team, and or the Mets of that, we will be the visiting team. We'll get the feed of the other team's broadcast, and the other team's broadcasters are being asked, and I quote, to be neutral, to be give equal time to both teams. So Gary, Keith, and Ron will not be traveling this year. When the Mets are playing, well, I assume they'll go to Yankee Stadium, but when the Mets are playing the Red Sox, we're going to get, um, what's his name there, the guy who does UConn basketball, girls basketball, whatever his name is, and Jerry Remy and Garen Austin, we're going to get them. And they're going to be tasked by baseball with being as objective and giving equal prominence to both teams. So it's going to affect all of us. This is not, you know, now it's coming into our living rooms. 
Mike, what do you think of that? I think it's great. takes me back to my childhood real quick. Uh, when I was young, there was a, a gentleman who lived next door to me, and he's the one who taught me how to tune out-of-town games at night on the radio, St. Louis, uh, you know, uh, Philly. Uh, and uh, listening to other broadcasts uh, is a great experience. I, I, I say absorb it and enjoy it. Uh, and I'm all, I, I can't wait, actually. I, I did not know that. So I'm happy to hear it, Rich. That's going to be – it's going to be cool. I mean, it's going to be to hear the Braves broadcasters talk about the Mets and be tasked with being objective. I want to see Chip Carey be objective. Good one there, huh? Well, all right, Sam. You know, what I, do guess, you think? I guess that's, you know uh, – so that means uh, uh, Gary, Keith, and Ron are going to be objective, but they're generally rather objective. Um, and, but even if Gary's very, you know, it's out here, uh, very excited about a Mets home run. He grew up a Mets fan. Um, I think it's, it's amazing in many ways, uh, to hear what it's going to be like. Um, I'm sure I'm going to be a little, uh, snotty about my guys, but that's, you know, it, it's going to be fun to go through the motions and, and, you know, it, it, it's I, I've gone through on MLB TV, and I have certain people that I think are have more character out there than some of these vanilla guys. But um, shout out to Buck Martinez in Toronto, right? But, uh, yeah, you know, it's going to be exciting. Should be interesting. And, Mike, it does bring us back to our childhood. That is true. And we would sit there at the transistor radio and under the pillow listening to games from all these different cities and hearing how they describe it. The difference will be it's our team on the field playing them and we're not watching our guys. And the other thing I find fascinating is the radio guys will travel with the team, but the TV guys will not. Interesting. Interesting. Wow. I'm struggling with that one. I really am. Yeah, that that doesn't really make a lot of sense, really, when you think about it. I mean, what's the difference? I I don't don't know. know. (laughs) That's a great question. You know what it is? I, I Think about the, the gentleman we had on from Brooklyn. He was Sam, your friend, and talked about how many people it takes to produce the, the coverage. I guess if you're bringing your TV people, you're bringing a whole slew of people. Where if you're bringing your radio guys, oh, well, it's probably right. just, yeah, it's it's probably just, just the It's probably just Madge, Wayne, and, and Howie. Right, Madge, Wayne, and Howie, exactly. Um, all right, so I have two more things to get to. We do have a caller from a 914 area code. So, caller, who are you? Can you please identify yourself? Hey, it's me again. Um, I wanted to say that I listened to the replay. It's Max. I listened to the replay. It was a delight to hear you guys talk about it. I'm so sorry. I'm now I'm using my um, my home phone, so uh, it won't the the it won't go out. Um, so yeah, this is uh, this is me. Hey, Max. All right, so we're going to have you stay on for the last two questions. I want to pose the guys. I'll ask your opinion on them as well. Is that fair enough? Yeah, sure. All right. So two more things to talk about, guys. Um, I wanted to do this in an hour. We're going to be pretty close. We're about 50 minutes in. So, okay, big thing here, though. So, you know, the the broadcasting stuff is kind of cute. You know, it's interesting to talk about. But let's talk about something very substantive for the game, and that's the playoffs. Because the owners and the players were not able to reach an agreement, there at this point will not be expanded playoffs in 2020. They could still agree to that. Um, we have, you know, a month of summer slash spring training to go. And by the way, there will be three exhibition games. Each team will do three exhibition games. 
Um, so we might have some games to watch before July 23rd. Hopefully they will be on TV. Don't know about that yet. Um, so anyway, at this point, there are not expanded playoffs. So I'm going to go to you first, Mike, on this one and ask you, are you okay with that? It's like, okay, whatever. Or would you really, really like to see them do expanded playoffs because of shortened season? Mike, where are you with that? Well, once things are out of whack, I like to see things get even wackier. But it is what it is, Rich. You know, I'm accepting of whatever takes place. So you're you're kind of I'll I'll call you indifferent on it. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fine. You know, if if it's a traditional format, I'm fine with it. If they expand it, I'm fine with it. You know, I'm I'm open to the chaos which has been 2020 to date. Very good. <laughs> Chaos. Talk about the dust cloud, right? What else is going to happen in 2020 between baseball and <laughs> the opinion? <laughs> we don't want to get into that, but, geez, what else can happen? Uh, just no, I know. Tell- another thing. On, uh, shout out to Joe Rogan's podcast. I heard that, uh, weirdly enough, that actually makes it harder for hurricanes to form. So it's actually kind of a good thing, weirdly enough. It does. It does. Um, so, but, with my- so, so in, terms of, in terms of the playoffs, I will say um, – I will go, speaking of all of that stuff, why not? Why don't I go broadly existential about it? All of this baseball stuff is made up gobbledygook anyway. So why not just, whatever they present to us in terms of a structured schedule with, with the way 2020 is working, I will go for it. And I, I don't really have, yeah, again, I, it's, it's not, I, I, I guess it's indifference like you, you said, but it's, I, I just don't, I think however it is, it's just the way the cards are being played. Okay, so you don't have a strong opinion. I actually do. I think there should be expanded playoffs. I hope they work that out. They certainly have the opportunity to do that. Um, and, yeah, I, I know everything is weird and it's okay to get weird and all that stuff, but by having expanded playoffs, I do think that normalizes it a little bit. A team will really have to win some more games in the postseason and show their mettle. And I think it does legitimize it a little bit more. I'm not going to fall on my sword over it, but um, but that's how I see it. So, Max, you're a young man, you, and younger folks aren't aren't tainted like like Mike and I about uh, about traditionalism and all that. What do you think about expanded playoffs this year? So, I mean, as I said, I I think it's you know I think it's a great idea to just keep it. Again, I I, I love the wild card and the NLDS and the NLC. I I don't know. I it's just it it's um. It you know when I when I found I I I I again I didn't know it wasn't always this way I or like for a while I I think they implemented implemented this this um this wild card and then uh, division and then championship series um like I think it was like 2012 or 11 and that I, it was so recent I was I was like so confused because you know to me this is like a perfect a perfect way of doing it I I think again like the the um the 16th seed in a in a in a basketball tournament it just feels a little weird to have them um again uh yeah i i think i think it's great um, um as for the other stuff uh dh i'm very okay with uh, not forever and i think that um the 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 radio situation i i was like thinking that it was you know it made sense cuz I think about I really thought about how much uh work and 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 qual- 
cooperation, how much equipment the TV staff needs. Like um, in in the in the simulated game in MLB The Show, where Gary Keith and Ron, you know, uh, commentated on MLB The Show, they said they said um, so. Uh, you know, Nimmo in this version appears to have a little bit of a stubble of a beard. Like, you know, looks a little stubbly. And then the pitch came. And then I was so confused, like something weird had happened. But the only thing weird that happened was that the camera didn't zoom in on Nimmo's beard. Because that's, that's exactly what they do. The, the the camera guys on in every part of the field, they're listening in, they, you know, to to the broadcast, they're trying to the get hum, every the shot. The human detail. You know, the human detail. Yeah, they're, they're trying to get they're trying to get the shots, and then you need the uh, control room. You need all that sort of thing. So, I I think you know the amount of equipment, the amount of people that goes into a TV broadcast. It's 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 a lot, and it you know it it wouldn't really be um, it really wouldn't be uh, you know it's you know all all hair all Howie. And um, and Wayne need Randazzo. All they need is the is the mic, and they're good. And, and uh, I assume the, an antenna or something, right? And and the other guy you said, <laughs> <laughs> like that's all they need, right? And but, no, it's but, true. But, and, and if you think about it, in the spirit of minimizing, you know, human contact, which is what we have to talk about these days. Um, you think about it. The, you have the they always say, oh, the people in the truck, right? There are a lot of people in the truck. There are a lot of camera people. You're minimizing the number of people who are being exposed, so it does make sense, and it will be very unique for us to hear the perspective of. Let's say we're watching the, when the Mets play the Orioles, or watching the Orioles feed. I okay, like, I actually like him. I, I I always like to. I love the videos where um where he's calling Glaber's home runs. <laughs> now here's my so question. Funny. Here's my question for you. Gary Thorne's great. Yeah, I think that's who you're talking about. Gary Thorne is, is fantastic, and he used to do uh, Mets stuff, uh, I think. But speaking of Camden Yards, that's actually a great question, Rich, uh, real quick to tangent. Um, will there be people on the outside over uh, on that walkway? Will they be allowed to, you know, wait for baseballs? Well, if they're not in the ballpark, I would think so. I mean, I would think if you're not on ballpark property, you would like I, in San Francisco, they certainly will be in the in the McCovey Cove, right, on, in their kayaks. But right, uh, so this, this is going to be this is going to be. You're, I'm very interested to see the way fanfare on the outside of ballparks is going to work. Yeah, uh, Wrigley. What about Wrigley? People on the rooftop, you know, uh, on the apartment buildings, they probably watch the game from there. Um, all right, guys, so we've covered most everything. I, I, I'm going to throw in one more thing. So we have two more things to talk about. One thing I wasn't planning on, but I want to get your quick reaction to it. The schedule, um, and which actually does lead into my last question, so it'll be actually be a good segue. Um, all right, the schedule. The Mets will play 60 games, 40 against the National League East, which would be obviously 10 games against four other teams, and then they'll play 20 against the five teams from the traditional American League East, four each. There is an outside chance, I heard, that the Mets are going to play the Yankees six times, but hopefully cooler heads will prevail and say that that makes absolutely no sense because you could do four games against five teams and it's much better. So let's assume that that's what they're going to do. Um, so with a schedule like that, Mike, is that good for the Mets, bad for the Mets, or just go out there and play boys, doesn't matter who the competition is? <laughs> I couldn't wait for this question. Just go out there and play, Rich, uh, and make the best of it. Everyone's going to be playing 60 games. National League East is 
is a tough division. And if we have to play the American League East, you know, likewise, Yankees, Red Sox. So it, it's going to be tough. And you consider that a season, if you go 500, you're 30 and 30. Not much room for error. Let me throw out a couple of, uh, of statistics through the years real quick. I think you guys will enjoy this. Over 60 games, some of the best starts in base, baseball history. The 1953, uh, eh, I didn't write the team, but in 1998, the Yankees were one of two teams who started the season 46 and 14. The 39 Yankees started out. Say again? Lord. No, I said 1953. Here I go. Yeah. So, I I, I, I didn't write down which team it was. Stupid of me. Anyway. But the Yankees were one of two teams uh, to start out 46 and 14. 60 games, the 39 Giants, or excuse me, the 39 Yankees started out 47 and 13. The 1920 Giants started out 48, 11, and 1. Uh, 50 game starts, the 39 Yankees, 40 and 10. The 46 Red Sox, 49 and 1. And then just three other little tidbits here. Uh, to start a season, let's not forget the 87 Brewers and the 82 Braves won 13 games in a row to start the season. Four Tigers started out 35-5. and five. And this one's for you, Sam. The 55 Dodgers started out 22-3. and three. If any team manages right. something right. like that, you know where they're going to wind up. They're going to wind uh, up. The, the 1953 Yankees uh, what is it? Oh. I mean, uh, they, they, there's Yankees, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. I mean, they had only seven losses by probably the 24th game. Yeah, so they only had seven losses by the 24th game. Is is, is that anything, or was there a better team at this point? I, 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 I'm going to have to, like, I mean, I, I can't get every team up at the same time with 63. Sorry. Well, that no, is it's the okay. best so, start Sam, in history, the first 60 games, 46 and 14. No, you're right, Mike, and somebody could pull that off. I mean, there could be, in a short span like that, I believe the Mets were, I read it like multiple times saying, I can't believe I don't remember the number, I believe they were 39 and 21. I think that's the exact, the exact amount. 39 and 21 over the last 60 last year. So even the Mets had a great run over 60. You could see some weird stuff. You could see 45 and 15. You could see 42 and 18. You could definitely see that. So, Sam, what do you think about the schedule? Uh, Mets play the two Easts. Easts. So is that good, bad, or you just don't care? You want to see some baseball? So just give give me the breakdown one more time in terms of what what the two uh, playing NL versus AL is in terms of the East. Yes, so the NL East play the AL East this year. So what will happen is, the Mets will play 40 games against the NL East, or traditional NL East. So they'll play 10 games against each rival in the NL East. Then they'll play right. 20 against the AL East, which would be four games against five teams. Um, I, I think that's great. You know, it's going to be weird not playing some of those those distant rivalries that we have out there, whether it be the Cardinals or the Dodgers, um, and even the Giants to an extent. Just just because of the the ancestry, as well as certain playoff times. So, uh, I, I yeah yeah I I think that works out well. It makes sense in terms of of 
like the fact that you're not like they didn't just break it down in terms of like the way we were hearing was that they were going to realign everything, but instead they kept it AL and NL, and that's right. kind of cool, uh, especially in terms of what we were talking about earlier. And and look, I'm not throwing stones at it because I get it, it makes sense what they're doing, but you have to they're trying to minimize travel. But let's think about this: the Mets will be going to Florida. Uh, at least three times, right? They're probably going to go to Miami to play the Marlins probably twice. And right, probably and so, so when you're thinking about some of these places that are spiking a little bit, and is, George, is Georgia there at all, or is Georgia doing okay? They're trending up but not spiking. They're not in a spike like Texas and Florida, but they're trending up. So, but so the thing why, is, why is there not a neutral? I mean, this can still be worked out whether you want to just, like, keep it above a certain line. Well, the bigger question is what the Blue Jays are going through because Canada is very sensitive to this. Like, they have a, they're very strict protocols. They're not sure they want the Blue Jays playing baseball in, in Toronto because of bringing all the people from the U.S. and the other teams in there and their traveling parties. They're going to play in Buffalo? They're going to play in Buffalo. They're probably playing Buffalo. Um, they, might, they might try to play in Dunedin, which is where they train in Florida, but the problem is Florida is spiking, so is that a good idea? But the thing I wanted Buffalo. to point out Buffalo. is – Maybe. They're trying to minimize travel, but the Mets will be going to Florida probably three times between the Rays and the Marlins. It would be a much shorter flight to go to Pittsburgh or Cincinnati. They won't be going to eat, playing either one of those teams. So anyway, so, uh, but I know they're doing the best. That's, so Matt. You know, and, that, that, and that is something, you know what, though? You bring up a good point, and that's where, like, yes, I was just talking about NL versus AL, but uh, at the same time, there is some practicality here that they're missing. And this is some of the short-sightedness of, of the people who are running uh, the entire thing, as we've been talking about this entire time during coronavirus. Yeah, and I guess, you know, if they try to put the schedule together, and then where do Cincinnati and Pittsburgh go? So, yeah, it helps the Mets. They get to have the short flights. So then they've got to play somebody, and who are they going to have to play? So I, I guess they're doing the best they can. And doing the divisional thing made it cleaner, you know, to say NL East, AL East, and not realign divisions for this year. So, Max, you're up on this one. What do you think of the schedule? Do you think it's going to be kind of cool? Uh, do you think it's imbalanced, it's a pro- problem, or what are you thinking? Well, I think I think that um, – I feel like they made a mistake um, in terms of the date um, that they have to finish. Like, I know Fauci said whatever, but, um, I mean, in, in plain logic, like being outside in the cold, like I know it might be tough, but, like, Particles move slower in in colder air. Like, so how would the virus spread if you're if you're in person in the cold, right? So it, it doesn't. I, I uh, just interrupt you, Max. I mean, none of us are medical professionals, so I'm not so sure how to, you know, that specific yeah. science of things. Well, even even if even if they even if they were even if that's not true, the point is is that I feel like. They could have done some like NFL type thing where they would, um, where they could play a little into October. You know, gets. I think you know they should have done like 82 games, like half the season. So it, you know the stats would have been, um, I don't know, at least somewhat uh, transferable to 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 normalcy. And and I think they you know they the they could have played a little into October and then a little more into November and then for the playoffs you know if it if it went into December like a game or two 
than it than they could play at stadiums in the north, like so or in the south that um, that are hotter. But I I mean if if they you know if they really wanted to I mean I guess it's the way it is and that's just me. Um, as for uh, the schedule again yeah I, I just think that it's um I think that they are. Um, I think that the teams are fair. I'm glad we're not playing the Dodgers. I I really don't like the Dodgers, and I you know, uh, in the in the article that in in the MLB.com they said that the Dodgers are most well equipped, right next to the Nationals, uh, for the best DH because they have like an incredible bench, like Kike Hernandez and um, oh there was a bunch of other guys. I I can't remember off the top of my head, but they were they have a stacked lineup. And I'm very happy to not be playing the Dodgers. Any, and I think I think the Nationals are going to be weaker this year. Um, I think they, you know, I think Rendon is really, really going to hit them hard. You know, like he he was always in the clutch for them. He, you know, they 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 might have some good um, sort of uh, utility guys like Darwin Castro and Isdrubal Cabrera and Howie Kendrick. But I, when I think it really comes down to it, I, I think. You know, I felt like, I felt like Rendon really, really helped them get uh, get far last year, especially. Hey, hey, Rich, I I just want to say that um, I think the Dodgers have a lot of pressure on them to win this short season. <laughs> well, they have a lot of pressure on it on them to win. Period. Even if it were 162 with their payroll and the fact they haven't won. Um, so. All right, guys, so we are a little bit over. I, I wanted to do an hour. We're about an hour and ten, So, but it's been a great chat. And I have one more thing I want to ask you. You've been listening to the Baseball is Back version edition of the Metsian podcast with Sam Rich and Mike, and I'm so glad that you've had a chance to spend some time with us, whether you're listening live or in the archive. So, guys, what better way to end this podcast than with a very simple question? Um, Vegas has put the Mets number this year at 32.5 wins. So now I'm going to transform you all into betting men. And I'm going to ask you a simple question. If, I, if you had money to bet, if I gave you $500 and said you have to bet on the Mets going over or under the 32.5 wins, tell me which way you're going. And give me one or two bullet points on why you feel that way. Max, let's start with you. So the number is 32-and-a-half for this year. Max, you're going under or over and why? So um, first of all, um, the the first thing I have to say is projections, projections. I don't give a whatever. You know, it's, I, can, I couldn't care less about any kind of projection. The Mets, the Mets have the ability, I swear, the Mets have the ability to go – to, to 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 go 500. They really do. They have a, they have a good chance of going under 500 if it wasn't shown by the first half of the of the previous season. Like it's you know, and they have the ability to go um, over. You know, they have good talent. They they they. You know, I have I I really I I I never gamble when it comes to sports because everything is unpredictable, um, and it's it's all up in the cards. You have. It's there's zero way for me to tell what what is gonna happen and 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 how it's gonna work out. So, I mean, if you're telling me uh, do it and I'll kill you, I'll say that the Mets are going over because I'm a Mets fan. But I really don't like to 
project. I just like to see how the season goes, and if they do well, then I'm going to be very happy. And if they don't, then I will be very sad. But I, I, don't, right. I don't like, and I never listen to projections. Well, good, and good. Good that you're not gambling. That's a very good thing. And But <laughs> we're fake gambling here. We're play gambling. <laughs> so you're saying over. And we have one vote for over. Mr. Maxwell, Mr. CEO, yes. 32 and a half. Over or under, and why? I think on top of talent, the Mets have a lot of leaders on this team right now. And I have a lot of faith in Louis Rojas. And so we may be very equipped for what we're about to see. And I look forward to the Mets surprising everybody. Do I take that as an over? I'm going 40 and 20. You're going way over. All right. Very good. All right, Mike, wrap this one up for us. 32 and a half is the number. I just gave you 500 Monopoly dollars. Where are you putting it? Had you asked me that question an hour ago, I would have said under. Right now, I, I think I'm a push. Uh, no such thing when you got the half point there. So, you know what, Rich? I'm going to be uh, optimistic. I'm going to say over. Say they're going to win 33 games. Uh, <laughs> despite, the, <laughs> despite the injury to Syndergaard, you know, I, I think there's depth there to work with in the starting rotation, DeGrom, Stroman, Porcello, Matz, Walker. Uh, you know, 60-game season, what, they might get seven, eight starts apiece. We're talking maybe 40 innings is going to comprise a full season for these guys, you know, depending on how far they go, how far they're allowed to go. So in the short run, that pitching just might be there for them. Uh, and as far as that, that – and, and the bullpen is strong as well. Uh, if we're talking 60 games, you know, we have faith in Lugo. We have faith in Giselman. And hopefully, you know, you know who can turn it around, Edwin Diaz. At the plate, there's some, there's some explosiveness there. Uh, but there's also some consistency there that we can work with. <laughs> The rain game ruined him. The rain game ruined him. I will always attest to that. Man, you never cease to amaze. But, uh, Rich, I think there's some explosiveness there that they can work with in the short time, and I think they just might be in the mix. Uh, You know, a full season for these guys, for the positional players, might come out to maybe 230, 240 at-bats. So let's see who can maximize that the best and stay away from slumps. Oh, by the way, uh, one more thing. A rule change that you didn't talk about that I'm very actually upset about is the uh, the whole idea of not celebrating. They can celebrate in place. I don't know why they're I don't know why they're saying you can't. If they're mean, they, it said specifically like you cannot celebrate. But then why can't you celebrate in place? Jump in place, you know, you know, yell and scream in place. Like, you know, do it, do it socially distanced. I don't care. I need to see that. I think they you just know, mean you, in terms of. I think they're just trying to protect against uh, pylons. That's basically it. They're just I mean, trying yeah. to protect against pylons. If they if they celebrate in place, I will be totally satisfied. But the fact that they said, like, I saw, like, I think Joel Sherman wrote, like, you're not allowed to like react to a walk off home run and and. You know, if it means, I mean, they could have phrased it in a way like, "Don't pile on, but you can celebrate in place." Like, don't, don't 
run up, don't jump on each other and and pour Gatorade like you know but you can celebrate in place. I would definitely be fine with that, and I think it would be awesome if you know because I don't I don't think anyone is ever going to react subtly to a no hitter to a walk off home run. It's just impossible. It's impossible. It is. It is. And but you know what, Max? It's like we said from the beginning. It's a great way to wrap up the podcast for tonight. We are happy to have baseball back. That's true. It will look a lot like the baseball that we know, but it's not going to be exactly the same. You know, for all the things we've talked about, the rule changes, the broadcasts, let's be happy we have it back. Um, It's going to look a bit different. Like Mike said, I'm going to put a ditto to what Mike said. I hope that these differences aren't permanent. I hope that they're just in deference to the fact that we have a pandemic and we're lucky just to have baseball in any form back. But you know what? It's been a pleasure talking baseball with you guys tonight. It's been a pleasure, and I'll say that again, talking baseball and not talking about labor disputes and not talking about prorated and things like that. So, guys, thanks for um, helping me snap out of my funk and get into some baseball talk here. So we'll do the last word, and then we'll wrap it up. You've been listening to the Baseball is Back edition of the Metzian podcast with Sam Rich and Mike. We've had a great time talking about the return of the game we love and how it'll look a bit different this year. And it's time for one quick last word. Um, So, Max, give us one word or one phrase that sums up how you're feeling tonight. Oh, uh, oh my God. I I can't put it into words. Um, Excited. Excited. Good. That's a good one. Excited. I think we all are. That's an excellent one. So, Sam. What's your final word for tonight? Let's go. Mets. Three. Three words. <laughs> well, let's go as in let's get this thing started and then let's go Mets, right? So it's like an add-on thought. <laughs> Mets. Uh, let's go. Mets. <laughs> it's it's let's go, that. period. Mets. <laughs> or let's go dot, 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 dot. Mets. Uh, L-F-G-M <laughs> is technically one phrase, so. There you go. I like that too, Mike. It's gonna be in the dictionary way? one day. <laughs> Rich, I'll say You're congratulations. Up, I'll say congratulations. I'm glad that they were able to reach an agreement. Very good. So we have congratulations, excited, and let's go. Dot dot dot. Met. Okay, great. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to our. Baseball is back edition. Of course, thanks to Max for calling in. It's great talking with you, my friend. Yeah. And, um, and of course, thank you to my two co-conspirators in the podcast. It's been a great episode. It's been a nice, refreshing episode. So thank you, guys. And, um, and Sam, why don't you have the honor, please, sir, of taking us out the way you and all of us know how. Meet the Mets. Meet the Mets. Come on down and greet the Mets. Bring your kids, bring your wife. Guaranteed to have the time of your life because the Mets are talking about knocking the home runs over the east side. West side, everybody's coming down to meet the M-E-T-S Mets of New York Town. New York Town. I, I have nothing to add. Good night, everyone.
everybody. That was awesome. Have a great night. Thank you. Bye now. And the butcher and the baker and the blah, blah, blah. <laughs> Good night, guys. Good night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.